Good evening and welcome to the Spirit Life Bible Study. My name is Jonathan. Our reader is Cara tonight and our topic is A Way Forward Part 3. It's so exciting. There's a third part of this on A Way Forward. The gist of this being that we've been talking about how do you get both personally and culturally from A to B. A particularly being a bad state and B being a good state. The origin of this is that there are these beautiful prophecies in the Old Testament particularly, but in the New Testament as well, that talk about how magnificent life is going to become on this planet, how wonderful it will be, uh, people being drawn to the Lord, love being in charge and all that, and a much greater sense of the presence of the Lord and kind of miraculous things happening and so on. Um, but we look around ourselves and, you know, there might be a little bit of that happening now, but not quite enough. You know, to my taste, uh, there's a lot of craziness going on. And the thought for this week of another thing that is needed, we talked last time about a kind of grief that the Lord inspires to help us move forward. Another thing is what I would simply sum up as gathering. There needs to be some kind of coming together, pulling together, an end to the sort of scattering and so on. And so we'll be talking about that gathering tonight and reading some passages. And if you'd like to come along on that exciting journey, please do, good friends. And let's start with a prayer. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, you are the one God of heaven and earth. You are the Word made flesh. Thank you for coming down, bowing the heavens, Lord, and being among us with your divine human presence. Please inspire us, Lord, as we look in the pages of your Word and show us how it is that we are to move forward. Amen. Amen. Thank you, friends, for coming here in the room, sending love to those of you out online and getting the audio and on the phone. Uh, always a pleasure to be with you. Uh, it, it was... You know, like, let's say, I forget what the world population is right now. It's over 7 billion, right? And it's headed for 8 billion very quickly and so on. And you could think of that, and it's tempting to think of that, as 7 billion problems. <laughs> we, we have 7 billion problems in the world. And the other morning I woke up and I thought, you know, there's a truth to that, but there's also a sense in which we were created to be seven billion solutions to problems. Like, as many people as there are, there, it's designed in such a way that we would also be the solution to that problem. I was thinking for some reason about my childhood. I grew up in, in England. I was a little British boy, wasn't I? And, um, and it was post-war England. I was born in 1956, since the war ended in 1945. And the echo of it was still in the air. You know, the older folks had been, been through that. A lot of the people around me, a lot of the older men were, were wounded or damaged in, in various ways from the war. And, um, but it was amazing how much of a sense there was that people in England had pulled together you know, there were rations, there was uh, hardship and, and the women going to work in the factories and driving trucks and so on. And, and uh, although they call them lorries over there, of course, but um, <laughs> and uh, people pulling 
together under a horrible circumstance, but a kind of gathering. You see what I mean? Um, I was also thinking about the children of Israel that uh, I've always just kind of taken for granted the fact that Moses came in and said, let my people go. And then a hundred percent of the people left Egypt. If this happened in our world, wouldn't it be the case that some people would say, well, I want to go, but not with Moses. And somebody else would say, I think slavery is not bad. You know, it's not so bad where I am. I don't know what your problem is. We get fed. We don't have to make a lot of decisions. The bills are low, you know, so why not? And, and uh, you know, and you get 29% would leave or something. Um, <laughs> the, it, it's amazing. Like, how did that happen? That all of them left and they all left together. It's kind of striking. And uh, in the biblical story, so you might say, oh, well, they were already together. They were in the land of Goshen. They were all going through slavery together. They were already together. But there are all these prophecies in the Old Testament that we'll be looking at about a future time. Because by the time the Old Testament ends, the uh, children of Israel are scattered all over the place. You know, they're scattered amongst the nations and so on. Uh, but there are these prophecies that the Lord will come and gather everybody together, gather, gather them out of all the nations. So the second time, even if they're more scattered, there will be this gathering again. And so it seemed to me that this was an important element in moving forward, that if somehow we could get some kind of essential unanimity or, or some kind of coordination, collaboration, and so on, if that increased... Uh, wouldn't that be an important element of moving forward? That's sort of where my thinking is going for tonight. Let's have a look at some of these prophecies. We begin all the way back in the books of Moses in Deuteronomy, which is the fifth book of Moses there, the beginning of the Bible. Deuteronomy chapter 30. I was struck that this was foretold all the way back. You know, this was uh, in Moses' time, way back uh, in early times, there was already this kind of prediction that people would get scattered, but the Lord would bring them back together. Deuteronomy 30, the first six verses there, if you will. Now it shall come to pass when all these things come upon you, the blessing and the curse which I have set before you, and you call them to mind among all the nations where the Lord your God drives you, and you return to the Lord your God and obey his voice according to all that I command you today, you and your children, with all your heart and with all your soul. And let me just hit pause, although we're in the midst of a long sentence there. <laughs> but the all your heart and all your soul seems like an important element of it. Like something has to unite people, right? And each individual has to be single-minded about this. Go on. It shall come to pass that the Lord your God will bring you back from captivity and have compassion on you and gather you again from all the nations where the Lord your God has scattered you. You see, there's that reference to gathering from all the nations. So if there's disobedience, there may be scattering, but the Lord will bring everybody back together again. Go on. If any of you are driven out to the farthest parts under heaven, from there, the Lord your God will gather you, and from there he will bring you. Then the Lord your God will bring you to the land which your fathers possessed, and you shall possess it. He will prosper you and multiply you more than your fathers. And then there's a strange statement here. Go on. 
And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. So that little quote kind of both begins and ends with the idea of all your heart and all your soul, but the Lord will help us take us through that circumcision of the heart, which is talking about repentance, and the Lord will bring us back and prosper us and multiply us and so on. And it, uh, I like that point in verse 4 that even if you're driven to the just outermost parts, you know, doesn't matter how scattered it is, uh, the Lord can, can bring us together again. Ultimately, it's the Lord, isn't it? It's the Spirit of the Lord that would bring people together. He, he's the uniting force. Um, turn to the Psalms in the middle of your Bible, and I'll probably do some explaining as we go along here. But Psalm 147, toward the end uh, of the Psalms. There's many, many passages. I was just stunned when I looked in the concordance, the Bible concordance. Uh, I've had this sort of wrestling match over the decades where I sort of want the Bible to be about what I want it to be about. And it is actually about different things, you know. And one of the things that it's about that I wasn't looking for in there is gathering uh, in a little tiny fine print old Young's Concordance of the King James Bible, it's six full columns on gathering, gathering, gathering. Yeah, there's just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of references to gathering all, all throughout Scripture. It's a major theme of the whole thing. I was really struck by that. Let's look at these first three verses in Psalm 147 here. Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God. For it is pleasant, and praise is beautiful. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers together the outcasts of Israel. Mm. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Yeah, now isn't that kind of what we want the Lord to do? And the outcasts, you know, you've got the outcasts of Israel. You've got people all over the place. Have the Lord gather us together and heal the broken hearts and bind up the wounds. That's what we're talking about. So we're looking for clues in these passages of how, I'm, and I'm talking both about our individual journey and how we as a collective culture go through this. Let's turn to the right and go to Isaiah chapter 27. It comes up pretty soon there, and it's pretty big, hard to miss it. Isaiah 27, and let's go to verses 12 and 13. Now we're into the prophets now. So we saw a little bit in the Psalms there. We saw Moses. And now a lot of our passages tonight are from the prophets. Let's look at verses 12 and 13. And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord will thresh from the channel of the river to the brook of Egypt. And you will be gathered one by one, O you children of Israel. Now, wait a minute. That's an interesting little twist. We haven't heard that in these other passages, but what did it say? You'll be gathered. How will you be gathered? One by one. One by one. That's different. It almost doesn't sound gatherish, does it? Like you would think to be gatherish, wouldn't you have to have a bunch of people together? But to say the Lord will gather you one by one is an interesting thing. Go on. So it shall be in that day, the great trumpet will be blown. They will come who are about to perish in the land of Assyria, and they who are outcasts in the land of Egypt. There are the outcasts again, yep. 
and shall worship the Lord in the holy mount at Jerusalem. Now, there are so many prophecies of this kind. I just had to slash the list down, then I went through it again, slashed it down again, then went through it, slashed some more because there were too many scriptures to read. Uh, but part of what I want to say about this, at the risk of repeating myself, and I, uh, I have a natural disinclination to repeat myself, uh, but this is out of alignment with the scriptures. It's out of alignment with Swedenborg's practice. Uh, <laughs> repetition is extremely important. So I shall repeat myself with some discomfort. But a point that has occurred to me a number of times, and maybe you've heard me say it before, is that the way that I'm holding a lot of these things in Scripture now, even things like the Christmas story, the triumphal entry, the miracles, the prophecy, all, all these kind of things, Yes, they literally happened. I believe, you know, I'm old-fashioned. I, I believe they actually happened. You know, they literally happened. Um, but I also think that they, uh, the way the story is written and so on, it's written in such a way to carry this deeper, broader truth. And the meaning of that broader truth to me is that this is about, you know, okay, so let's say the children of Israel were enslaved in Egypt and then the Lord set them free. And there was a polite smattering of applause. Oh, it's wonderful. Thousands of years ago, oh, the Lord set some people free. Oh, very exciting. Thank you for doing that. <laughs> you know, how important is that to us? But if it's talking about the Lord, doesn't it hit home a little more? If it's the Lord setting us free from our current hell, isn't that a little more exciting? Like, oh, this is a map of how the Lord can set us free we're actually still back in the early chapters of Exodus, you know, in some, and it's not that the Lord hasn't done many sort of redemptions and freeings and so on over time, but I still think there's a huge one that we're barely beginning. And this is encapsulated in the stories of Scripture uh, for several reasons. One, so that we can catch a little glimpse of what's supposed to happen. Another important thing uh, Swedenborg says that the angels are reading the same text. They read it in a deeper way with a spiritual meaning. Our angels need to know how to guide us, you know, so they need to know what's, what's going to happen. How, how do we move forward? When Jesus was in this world, his soul was God, but he had a regular just little human body, and he needed to learn these things. So he was learning from it too. Oh, that's what's supposed to happen? This is, this is how it's supposed to go? So I'm attached to this idea. And the reason I hammer this a little bit, friends, is... Uh, one reason is that I don't hear anyone else saying it. I'm not trying to brag or anything in that. I wish everybody was saying it. But I just don't hear, I don't think this idea is around much. You know, I don't hear this idea much that the, like the, the Exodus story hasn't happened yet. You know, the actual thing that it's referring to is something that's here to serve us as we move forward in the next, you know, couple hundred years or whatever. Uh, to get out of the situation that we're in now. I, I find that idea kind of exciting and helpful, and it certainly makes my reading a little different. Like, oh, this is not talking about other people far long ago and far away. It's something that hits home now and is on a much vaster scale even than the rescuing of 600,000 people who were in slavery. You know, what about the 7 billion people? You know, uh, the Lord wants to rescue the whole human race, create heaven on earth. How is that going to happen? And I think Scripture is talking about that. That's why I think it still has relevance uh, today. 
All right, let's look at Isaiah 43. If you turn to the right, try to limit it to one heresy per evening, but it's hard sometimes. You know, but Isaiah 43. I counted two so far. Two so far, <laughs> dear reader. So <laughs> Isaiah 43, <laughs> verses four to seven. <laughs> I shall have to be more cautious in the future. Four to three, four to seven. In Isaiah, yep. Since you were precious in my sight, you have been honored, and I have loved you. Therefore, I will give men for you and people for your life. Fear, fear not, for I am with you. That's the key message, I think, the Lord is saying. I am with you. And it's not past tense. I, I was with other people. No, the Lord is with us now. Go on. I and listen will, to this. This is fun. I will bring your descendants from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up. And to the south, do not keep them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Mm. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory, I have formed him. Yes, I have made him. Swedenborg explains that the people who the Lord has created and made, it might just sound like creating, you know, like physical people, their bodies or something like that. But Swedenborg explains that that creation on the spiritual level means our recreation, our regeneration. These are people who the Lord has been working with. And uh, isn't that kind of cool? Like even just taking it literal way that he brings people from the east, the west, the north and the south and the sons from afar and the daughters from the ends of the earth, you know. The Lord's going to bring everybody together. Uh, Swedenborg also explains that the north has a meaning about a relative lack of truth, and the south is... So people who have more truth in the south and people who have less in the spiritual so-called north, and the east is more love and the west is less... The people warmer-hearted, less warm-hearted, you know. Everybody's going to come together over this, uh, everyone who is called by the Lord's name. So there are people all over the whole planet uh, who are following the Lord, and the Lord, Lord's going to call everybody together in some sense. I don't think it's just a strictly, although it sounds this way, I don't think it's strictly talking about just a geographical, everybody jamming into the same you know, few square miles of the planet or something. I think it's more about the heart, you know what I mean? The heart and the mind coming together, seeing things similarly, sharing information and and uh, and a desire for a better world and so on. Let's look at Isaiah 56, verses 6 to 8 there. Also the sons of the foreigner who join themselves to the Lord to serve him and to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants. Everyone who keeps from defiling the Sabbath and holds fast my covenant. Oh, yeah. So you hear, this is even the foreigners in the Old King James, the strangers. You know, it's not just a certain group. It's, it's everybody. It's, it's very broad. Go on. Even them I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Mm. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. For, for, some, for a certain subset. For all for nations. For an elite group of special initiates. For all nations. Wow, for all nations. My house shall be good. And so it's kind of cool the way it's described in terms of a physical 
gathering in a physical temple or something. But I think it's talking about something spiritual, something much vaster than that, that people will gather in the uh, worship and knowledge of the Lord. And uh, do we have one more verse to go there? Yes. Let's look at verse 6. Yeah. Eight. Whatever it is. Yeah. The Lord God who gathers the outcasts <laughs> of Israel... There they are again. ...says... Yet I will gather to him others besides those who are gathered to him. Right. You see? Gather to him. Didn't it say that? It said it, right, dear reader? That said it. I will gather to him others besides those who are gathered to him. So even if you weren't gathered, you will be gathered. <laughs> There's going to be uh, multiple layers and, you know, don't, don't worry if you didn't make the first cut for the team or something. It, uh, the Lord's going to keep, keep coming after us. Yeah, I like that idea of the, of the stranger and this vision of everybody being brought to this temple and to this worship of the Lord. Turn to the right. Let's go to Jeremiah chapter 23. Man, it was painful to cut this list down. They're so beautiful. I just love these prophecies. Uh, verses 1 to 4. This is talking about when you see, okay, there's gathering... And in terms of the children of Israel, uh, leadership like Moses, right? The figure, it seems like the leadership is really important too. And this passage talks about the shepherds, the pastors. Um, first four verses there in Jeremiah 23. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord. Mm. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of Israel against the shepherds who feed my people. You have scattered my flock, driven them away, and not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for the evil of your doings, <laughs> says the Lord. Whew, okay. But I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all countries where I have driven them, and bring them back to their folds, and they shall be fruitful and increase. Mm, there again, similar theme, isn't it? Brought, it's not just brought back and be miserable. No, we're going to be fruitful and increase. Go on. I will set up shepherds over them who will feed them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, nor shall they be lacking, says the Lord. Mm, beautiful prophecies. So the Lord is saying this is going to happen at some point. And the question is, okay, when is this going to happen? Or is it going to happen at multiple times? And I think in some ways these prophecies have not been fulfilled yet, uh, but this is going to happen. And so gathering will be important and leadership will be important as well. Leadership that follows the Lord and so on. Okay, 29, Jeremiah 29. Uh, something that uh, people think is very beautiful. Let's read verses 10 to 14 there. For thus says the Lord... After 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and cause you to return to this place. Have we done our 70 years in Babylon yet? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, go on. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. A future and a hope. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. This is what I mean. It's very positive. And so how do we get from where we are now to a more positive place? I'm not trying to knock all the positive things that are already going on, but I think it could be even slightly better than it is. Okay, go on. 
Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Oh, that'll be good. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. All your heart again. Mm. Need to search for the Lord with all our heart. Mm. So it seems like the heart's going to be instrumental in bringing this together, doesn't it? And uh, what is uh, verse 14? I will be found by you, says the Lord. I like that language. Nice passive verb. <laughs> and I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord. And I will bring you to the place from which I caused you to be carried away captive. Yes. And so it says there that the Lord drove us to all these places. But we've been seeing since Deuteronomy 30 that it was really our fault, like it was the, our choices that we made that, that scattered us. Uh, it's just often phrased that way in Scripture, that the Lord drove us there, but He's going to bring us back. And Jeremiah 31 is another beauty, uh, verses 7 to 12. Why don't we try that, see how many times we see the word gather in here. I'm sorry, 31. 31, verses 7, 7 to 12. 12. And, uh, and you'll also hear some mention in here of Weeping, which is what we talked about last time, didn't we? Supplications and things like that. Go ahead. Um, 11. You 31 said? verses 7 oh, to sorry, 12. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm taking No words. For thus says the Lord, Sing with gladness for Jacob and shout among the chief of the nations. Proclaim, give praise, and say, O Lord, save your people, the remnant of Israel. Okay. Behold, I will bring them from the north country and gather them from the ends of the earth. Mm. Among them the blind and the lame, the woman with child and the one who labors with child together. A great throng shall return there. Yes, now we heard before about being gathered one by one, but this is more of a great throng coming together. And I love the different ways that it puts it. Each one's a little different. We heard about the north, south, east, and west before, but this time it's the coasts of the earth, and then you get the blind and the lame and the, and the, you know, the pregnant and so on. Go. They shall come with weeping, and with supplications I will lead them. There you go. See, they're going to be weeping. That's what we were talking about last time. There's weeping and supplicating. So begging the Lord, please, please, you know. I will cause them to walk by the rivers of waters in a straight way in which they shall not stumble. For I am a father to Israel, and Ephraim is my firstborn. Mm, keep going. Hear the word of the Lord, O nations, and declare it in the isles af afar off. And say, he who scattered Israel will gather him and keep him as a shepherd does his flock. For the Lord has redeemed Jacob and ransomed him from the hand of one stronger than he. Therefore they shall come and sing in the height of Zion, streaming to the goodness of the Lord for wheat and new wine and oil for the young of the flock and the herd. Their souls shall be like a well-watered garden, and they shall sorrow no more at all. Mm. What was that streaming expression again? Uh, streaming to the goodness of the Lord. That should be our motto, shouldn't it? Mm -hmm. I think that should be the Bible study motto, streaming to the goodness of the Lord. <laughs> yes, and we'll be like this well-watered garden, and we shall not sorrow anymore. So we're weeping, but we're going to get beyond the sorrow and all this gathering that the Lord is going to do. Mm. So I like the way that tied in with last time. Let's turn to the right and go to Ezekiel. 
I want to go to Ezekiel chapter 11. And um, let's look at verses 16 to 21. Mm. This one, yet again, sort of attributes the scattering to the Lord, but I know that's not really the way it worked. Therefore say, thus says the Lord God, although I have cast them far off among the Gentiles, and although I have scattered them among the countries, yet I shall be a little sanctuary for them in the countries where they have gone. Let me pause there and just say, I find that exquisitely beautiful, this idea that, yes, okay, you're going to be scattered, but still you can be with the Lord wherever you are, and the Lord can be a little sanctuary for you. You know what I mean? I love that image, especially given the Old Testament history that you were only supposed to worship in Jerusalem and all that, not anywhere else. And yet here it's saying the Lord can be your little sanctuary wherever you are. Go on. Therefore say, thus says the Lord God, I will gather you from the peoples, assemble you from the countries where you have been scattered, and I will give you the land of Israel. And they will go there and they will take away all its detestable things and all its abominations from there. Okay, there'll be a purification process of some kind. Go on. Then I will give them one heart and I will put a new spirit within them and take the stony heart out of their flesh and give them a heart of flesh that they may walk in my statutes and keep my judgments and do them and they shall be my people, and I will be their God. I always love those reciprocal passages. They'll be my people, I'll be their God. And then you have to have a little negative thing at the end there. But as for those whose hearts follow the desire for their detestable things and their abominations, I will recompense their deeds on their own heads, says the Lord God. So that's not going to entirely go out of style, but uh, there's going to be a lot of gathering of, of, of good people coming together. That's what I get out of that passage. Let's look at Ezekiel 34. 34. Mm. I just love these so much. 11 to 16. Ezekiel 34. For thus mm. says the Lord God, Indeed, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock on the day he is among his scattered sheep, so will I seek out my sheep and deliver them from all the places where they were scattered on a cloudy and dark day. Yes, this cloudy and dark day, you remember scripture says that a day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as a day. We're going through a little, you know, cloudy millennium right here, but hang in there. Go on. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them to their own land. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, mm. in the valleys and in all the inhabited places of the country. Mm. I will feed them in good pasture and their fold shall be on the high mountains of Israel. There they shall lie down in a good fold and feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock and I will make them lie down, says the Lord God. I will seek what was lost and bring back what was driven away. Bind up the broken and strengthen what was sick. But I will destroy the fat and the strong and feed them in judgment. Yeah, so again, that little negative note at the end there. But everything else about it is that the Lord will bind what was broken 
and bring again those who were driven away and all this, all this gathering and the Lord is the shepherd. So themes, you see what I mean? There's, there's certain themes that run through all this. Let's look at Ezekiel 37. I found this striking, verses 21 to 23. Then say to them, thus says the Lord God, Surely I will take the children of Israel from among the nations, wherever they have gone, and will gather them from every side and bring them into their own land. Yeah, man, it's like a hammer. He just keeps, and, and we're just taking a small part of what's written along these lines. Go on. And I will make them one nation, one nation in the land, on the mountains of Israel, and one king shall be king over them all. They shall no longer be two nations, nor shall they ever be divided into two kingdoms again. Yes, and let me comment on that briefly. Two things I want to say. One is a historical point that I'm sure a number of you are aware of, that the uh, kingdom for a while under David was united, but then it split. Israel split into a kingdom of the south and a kingdom of the north, the kingdom of Judah and the kingdom of Israel, also sometimes called Ephraim. And after a while, you had two different kings. You know, you'd have the king of the, the, the south and the king of the north and so on, different people on the thrones. And so for so much of the history of the Old Testament, there's been two nations and two kings. And it's saying there won't be two nations and two kings. There will be one and what did it say uh, in the middle there? They shall be no more. What was that? They shall no longer be two nations. That one? Yeah. Doesn't it kind of remind you of what it says in Genesis and in the New Testament about they shall no longer be two but one flesh? About the Lord bringing a couple together. It's just mm. interesting to think about the two becoming one. You know, this is about two nations becoming one, uh, two kingdoms. And at a deep level, it's about uh, the whole sort of kingdom of love and the kingdom of truth that these are going to come together and unite. Uh, and look at verse 23, which is sort of repentance-ish. They shall not defile themselves anymore with their idols, nor with their detestable things, nor with any of their transgressions. But I will deliver them from all their dwelling places in which they have sinned and will cleanse them. Then they shall be my people, and I will be their God. Yeah, so the sinning is not a deal breaker. You know, that's sort of where we were scattered. But the Lord can bring us from there. He wants to bring us from there. It's not like, oh, no, I'm not dealing with you anymore. You sinned. Uh, he can't wait to bring us together. And in 39, uh, verses 25 to 29, so that's the end of that chapter of Ezekiel 39, I call this uh, no one left behind. Let's see what this says. Therefore, thus, thus says the Lord God, Now I will bring back the captives of Jacob and have mercy on the whole house of Israel, and I will be jealous for my holy name. After they have borne their shame and all their unfaithfulness in which they were unfaithful to me, uh -oh, mm -hmm. when they dwelt safely in their own land and no one made them afraid, when I have brought them back from the peoples and gathered them out of their enemies' lands, and I am hallowed in them in the sight of many nations. Like that wording, yep. Then they shall know that I am the Lord their God, who sent them into captivity among the nations, but also brought them back to their land and left none of them captive any longer. None of them, like the children of Israel, 100% response rate, you know. 
uh, nobody left behind. Go on. And I will not hide my face from them anymore, for I shall have poured out my spirit on the house of Israel, says the Lord God. That's one of the precious prophecies about this time, that the Lord's spirit will pour out on the human race in a different way, and the Lord won't, his face won't be hidden from us in the same way anymore. Really love that. Let's dip into the minor prophets. There are just uh, four passages in here I want to read. And then we've got a couple in the New Testament. Uh, so if you go past Daniel as you go to the right, I want to go to Micah, which is about halfway through the minor prophets. Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah. It's number six. And if you get the things that start with a Z, you've gone too far. Um, Micah chapter two. Very similar, but in other words, we've heard it from Isaiah, we heard it from Jeremiah, we heard it from Ezekiel, these are different, we heard it from Moses. Here's Micah, the prophet Micah, how does he put it in verses 12 and 13 in Micah chapter 2. I will surely assemble all of you, O Jacob. I will surely gather the remnant of Israel. I will put them together like sheep of the fold, like a flock in the midst of their pasture. They shall make a loud noise because of so many people. Yes, look at that. There'll be so many people. They'll be noisy. That's right. The one who breaks open will come up before them. They will pass, oh, sorry, they will break out, pass through the gate and go out by it. Their king will pass before them with the Lord at their head. There's a leadership thing again, isn't it? So the Lord, the Lord is ultimately in charge of this process, just as with the children of Israel getting out of Egypt. It was the Lord working through Moses. That's how the leadership worked. And look at Micah chapter 4. Might even be on the same page for you. I don't know. Verses 6 and 7. In that day, says the Lord, I will assemble the lame. I will gather the outcast and those whom I have afflicted. I will make the lame a remnant and the outcast a strong nation. Mm. So the Lord will reign over them in Mount Zion from now on, even forever. The forever was just a nice touch in there. You know, we, we've heard a little taste of that, but it really hits that there. That this is, this is the Lord's going to pull everybody out and then it's going to be forever. I want to explain something um, that I hope, you know, I don't know if I'm going too fast here through these things, but... This whole way of reading the Bible is so different than other ways of reading the Bible that it could, could leave you a little bewildered. Because the way Swedenborg explains it, the children of Israel don't mean the children of Israel. Zion doesn't mean Zion. Jerusalem doesn't mean Jerusalem. You know, so on. The enemies don't mean uh, literal, you know, other enemies with literal physical warfare. It's all about a psychological and spiritual battle that goes on within us. And so the way we're reading this with Swedenborg's help is that the children of Israel coming back is everybody. It's any, you know, the children of Israel equals anybody who's following the Lord. And you notice how many times in these other passages that it was not just the children of Israel, but it was the stranger and it was the people from the north and the south, the east and west. It was everybody from all the coasts and, and uh, everywhere. And, and nobody, you know, nobody would be left behind and so on. And um, so that's the way I'm, I'm reading it is that there's some call to people of all different kinds and I think it's some kind of spiritual event that will happen where the hearts are warmed and there's a sense of the presence of the Lord and and there's some kind of gathering some kind of coming together that goes on uh, isn't that fun uh, let's look at Zephaniah 
So if you turn to the right and you go through Nahum and Habakkuk, you get to the gloriously named Zephaniah. And let's go to chapter 3 of that. And I just want to look at those last three verses in Zephaniah, actually. The last three verses. 18 to 20 there. I will gather those who sorrow over the appointed assembly, who are among you, to whom its reproach is a burden. Behold, at that time I will deal with all who afflict you. Uh -huh. I will save the lame and gather those who are driven out. Hmm. I will appoint them for praise and fame in every land where they were put to shame. It's interesting the emphasis in so many of these passages on being lame, isn't it? Like, is that just coincidence? All these different writers writing over a period of hundreds of years apart from each other happened to mention the lame? As if that was like the number one health problem or something? I think why that's mentioned is that lame has to do with the way you walk. Walking has to do with the way that you live your life, the way that you behave. It, you know, if your behavior is a little wobbly, a little off kilter or something, um, I think that's what it's talking about, that the Lord can take people from that condition and bring us back into health uh, spiritually. How about verse 20? At that time I will bring you back, even at the time I gather you. Hmm. For I, I will give you fame and praise among all the peoples of the earth, when I return your captives before your eyes, says the Lord. Mm, that's nice. You see the captives. The Lord, it says in Scripture again and again that the Lord is going to end the captivity. He's going to bring people out of that captivity. And my strange heresy is that I think that has not entirely happened yet. In other words, I think there's an even greater fulfillment of that that has yet to occur. If we turn to the right and go through Haggai to Zechariah, Chapter 10, let's start at verse 8 here and see how we do. I will whistle for them and gather them, for I will redeem them, and they shall increase as they once increase. It's a nice image, isn't it? Like, that's one way to gather people, right? Uh, yep, yep. Back where I used to live, they had a bell for dinner. You know, you're running around in the fields or something. Dong, dong, dong. And a good whistle, just, you know, the Lord will whistle and, and get, that's how he'll gather everybody. He sends out a signal. And didn't another one of these passages mention a trumpet? We just heard it once, but there was a trumpet. And this is a whistle. Those are things that Swedenborg says have to do with truth. There's some kind of light of truth, some sort of signal that goes out and people know, oh, okay, okay. Time to gather. You know, they hear that whistling of the Lord. Go on. I will sow them among the peoples, and they shall remember me in far countries. They shall live together with their children, and they shall return. Mm. I will also bring them back from the land of Egypt and gather them from Assyria. I will bring them into the land of Gilead and Lebanon until no more room is found for them. Yes, I just like that. You know, there it is. So, so we heard from... Moses, from the Psalms, from Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Micah, Zephaniah, Zechariah, all singing a similar song. Uh, let's go to the New Testament. I want to go actually to Mark, the second of the Gospels there. Mark 13, uh, verse 27. This is a prediction of what will happen uh, when the Lord returns again. So this is the Lord in the New Testament, Jesus saying that when he comes again, what is he going to do? 
And then he will send his angels and gather together his elect from the four winds, from the farthest part of earth to the farthest part of heaven. Farthest part of earth, the farthest part of heaven. Wow. And so what's interesting to me about that is that you could say, oh, well, the Old Testament prophets were just talking about Jesus when he came into the world. He was going to gather everybody. You know, then you're done. You fulfill those prophecies. But here's Jesus in the New Testament saying, oh, no, there's going to be a future time where there's a gathering. Right? It is the, no, the gathering is still future. And I think these are all talking about the same thing. There'll be a future time when there's this gathering from the four winds, from the uttermost parts of the earth, the uttermost parts of heaven. Powerful. Okay, let's look at Luke. Turn to the right and go to Luke chapter 11. My dear and patient friends, let's look at 11, verse 23. This is just a, a, a thing that Jesus says a number of times. He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. So again, there's this sense, as there was with that sense of shepherds and other things, that, that people will be participating in this, like we can gather with the Lord. Uh, or, and if we're not doing that, then we're scattering. Those are the two options, gathering and scattering. That's, that's what goes on. Look at Luke 13, verse 34. And this is uh, uh, just where the Lord is talking about the prophets, and he's, he's very distressed. And look at this 1334. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you were not willing. Yes. So the Lord is saying that he wanted to gather, even then, just gather everybody under us. It's such a beautiful image. And wings, again, there, has a similar correspondence. It's a very different image, but the wing has to do with truth. And uh, birds, in general, have to do with truth. And, and so it's another image, like the whistling and uh, like the trumpet, of truth you know, being used to gather. This warm heart going out through the truth and gathering people together, but we need to be willing. Pe people are unwilling. So the Lord wants to do that gathering. And then there's an odd verse that, that uh, I want to read. Turn to the right to John chapter 11. There's this strange thing where the, uh, the high priest is talking about killing Jesus, putting Jesus to death, and yet in the course of saying so, he kind of unwittingly utters a prophecy. It's very strange. Look at verses 49 to 52. And one of them, Caiaphas, being high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all, nor do you consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people and not that the whole nation should perish. Yes, so this is uh, he's proposing that Jesus be killed so that the whole Jewish uh, thing wasn't lost. Now this he did not say on his own authority, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation. And then listen to this. And not for that nation only, but also that he would gather together in one the children of God who were scattered abroad. Isn't that strange? I, can't, I don't really get it, but the text seems to be attributing to Caiaphas this prophecy. He didn't say it on his own authority, 
but as the high priest, he prophesied Jesus' death and also uh, that Jesus would be gathering people together. And didn't the Lord say that I, if I am lifted up, will draw all people to myself? Uh, you know, part, part of the function of the crucifixion was this, for this drawing that, and, and the resurrection, that he would draw all people together. And gather together, it didn't just say gather together, but it said gather together in one, didn't it? Mm -hmm. The children of God who are scattered abroad, gather together as one. And that just really, really struck me there. Um, so, uh, how would you summarize that? I think you would probably use the word gather, <laughs> wouldn't you? you would. I, I think there was a lot there about gathering <laughs> and bringing together into one and people having one heart and so on. I don't know exactly how this is going to happen, but I see in the scripture there, it's very clearly prophesied. As I say, we only read a few of those passages and uh, there are many more uh, that the Lord is going to come again and there will be this gathering and people will know the Lord and will recognize each other. There'll be this kind of kinship and there'll be this warmth of love and the spirit of the Lord and his love, his heart, if we seek the Lord with all our heart and our soul, uh, He will unite people together. He'll, he'll bring this fragmented, fractured human race back together again. I, I find that very, very beautiful. I think it also works for us on the individual level, because that's another thing that's in my mind, is just how do we go from being a mess to being less of a mess? And I think part of how that happens is that we seek the Lord and He is able to gather the different pieces of ourselves and get us, uh, get us going in the right direction. Uh, so I think the key things there, I think love and faith are important. I think we heard some things about repentance, didn't we? In there, a few little things about we have to stop doing the things that we were doing. But it's so merciful that the Lord, even if we're lame, the Lord said, I'll, I'll bring you. I'll bring you. That's fine. You know, he'll, he'll bring any. If, if we're just willing, he wants to bring everybody who's willing. So it's very striking that the Lord was able to take 100% of the children of Israel out of the, the, the land of Egypt. It's not like there was three quarters of them stayed behind or some went this direction, another group formed and said, well, that's not a bad plan, but I've got another plan. We're actually going to go south instead of up to the Holy Land or something. You know, it didn't go that way. Somehow they all gathered together and they headed off into the unknown. It's pretty remarkable. I never, I never thought before about how remarkable it is that, that, that unanimity that happened among the people. And I can't help but think it has something to do with what we talked about last time, that there was a shared suffering and the Lord had inspired in their hearts this sense of being fed up with where, you know, that, that where it is is not nearly good enough and seeking the Lord and wanting to be led by Him, seeking Him with all the heart and all the soul. And so love and faith and repentance seem like very important pieces of it and how we live our lives because it's a lot the imagery, isn't it? It's about walking, like you, you walk from where you were and everybody gathers and goes to the Lord and there's a new sense of worship and coming to Zion and so on. So I pray for such a, a beautiful thing to happen in our world and I'm very drawn to the thought that the scripture might be written, it's written for all time and so I'm not trying to glor over glorify or over condemn our age but I think scripture's got some secrets here for how we can move forward. And gathering is one element and the other one is leadership. Ultimately that the Lord is leading 
and then that there are people like Moses, people like those other uh, leaders, those good shepherds that the Lord says that he will bring um, to help gather people together to get that truth that's like the wings or the whistle or the trumpet and, and gather people together. Uh, ultimately, it's the Lord doing the work. It's the, not anything that we can do. Uh, but I love that idea. I'm very drawn to that idea that the Lord, and isn't there a lot of emphasis in there on his healing us, right? That we will be healed, that we started out kind of banged up and everything, but that the Lord will heal us as we go through this journey and come together. So I fervently pray for this to happen for our human race, uh, because I think we could use being just even slightly better already than we are at this point, and uh, uh, so I hope for this kind of thing so that the Lord can move us forward as individuals and collectively gathering us one by one and also bringing us in a great throng so that we're making this noise, you know, so that there's some noise uh, and, that, and that people realize there's some calling and some gathering together. I really would love to, love to see some more of that in our world. Those are my thoughts, good friends. Thank you for your kind patience and attention. Let's close with a prayer. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, you're the one God of heaven and earth. You are both divine, infinite, omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent, but also human. You walk the earth. You know what it is to go through what we're going through. You came into this world to be accessible, to lead us, Lord, and let us follow you. Let us gather together in your name and follow you and help each other to make this a better world. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done as in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Let's keep on repenting, friends, so that we're all the more gatherable. <laughs>